The Jerry DePoto Show, presented by Seattle Pump and Equipment on Seattle Sports. Jerry, I know we've joked about this team not winning on Wednesdays. Do you know the last time this team won a Wednesday game was in May? Sadly, I do not. It was May. Oh, my. I was going to say, don't ruin this for me. <laughs> but, it's, yeah, it's it's been a while. And I, I will say that it's just been generally a good week. I think we've played very well for the most part. Yeah, what what's been different? I mean, it, it, you know, you watch this team, they're they're what, a blown save and a sacrifice fly away from having one maybe seven straight. What's been different? Yeah, I I mean, I could say too that we've had some comebacks in there that weren't probable. So, you know, well, don't ruin it for me either. Hey, <laughs> come on now, don't ruin it for me either. I got a narrative here. <laughs> We have, uh, you know, it's a, you get a little bit of energy. You know, we we had some energy with full houses versus the Blue Jays at home. I think it was a, an energizing series. And, and as much as, as it hurt losing Jared Kelnick for a period of time, I think we got a little bit of a jolt, especially in Minnesota from Kate Marlowe. Uh, you know, it's, it's there are so many small things that contribute to 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 that. That just a little spark that starts a good week and. You know, lo and behold, you know, we look up and it hasn't been a good week. It's It's been a good month. You know, July has been a really good month for us. We're actually trending maybe the best July in, in the last you know decade for us, which is something. And it's been happening pretty quietly. I think Ryan Divish, if I remember right, had said something along these lines early in the season, Salk, maybe even before the year, Jerry, about Scott's service. And one of his greatest attributes is he is a machine. He just does not waver. He just, through the ups and the downs and everything else, he is just such a steady force. And I'm curious from your perspective, just through the ups and downs and the emotions and the peaks and valleys of this season, how critical is it to have your skipper be so flatlined? Yeah, I, I wouldn't call him flatline. <laughs> He's just good at managing it. You know, there's we we all have you know ups and downs and moments, but Scott does a great job of focusing on what needs to be done, and whether that's you know executing pitching change, managing the the staff, or you know trying to to establish uh, a. A, a feel in the dugout in the clubhouse he does have his finger on that pulse pretty good and i think he does a remarkable job he, scott's not stoic when the door closes but he does so if a he had a heart rate so if he had a heart rate monitor on during the game he, his, his heart rate would actually be a little bit like ours as fans yeah his heart rate isn't running like his face you know <laughs> scott has a great he has a great way of not letting you see anything that affects him and and i think that's I could say that about some of the great closers of our time. I think I look back to, you know, the managers who were great at what they do over time. And you'd never know if they were winning or losing the game. Uh, they just focus on what needs to be done. How would you be if you had to sit in the dugout and after every missed bunt to every bad, every everything, the camera immediately flashed to your face? It would not look like Scott. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure. I believe it. But it seems like he's pushed some of the right buttons. We heard him talking about Julio and some swing changes. I like the way he sort of has referenced Julio now a couple of times in his plan late in games and and being willing to listen. It seems as if that's just been like a a year-long process for him trying to manage and get the most out of the most talented player on that team. 
And I imagine that it'll be like that throughout Julio's career and, you know, and, and hopefully the next Julio's to the extent that we have guys that talented. <laughs> it's when you have players that talented that are capable of so much, you know, more is required to draw it out of them. And his his ceiling, his impact is so high. And, you know, here, especially in the, the last week or so, we've seen him, you know, step up. And he particularly in the last few games in Minnesota – and I think you saw a little bit of a change in his in his the, the way his body is is situated in the batter's box and the you know the the way he stays in his legs through his swing and and I don't know if it's if it's just something in a moment or if it's an adjustment he's making to be honest with you but uh, but he lifted the ball he he's always hit the ball hard he was just his trajectory was off you know he was hitting it hard on the ground usually to the pull side. And, and I thought the, the greatest sign was him lacing line drives to right center, hitting opposite field homers. That's, you know, that's a very good thing. And, you know, hopefully we're getting ready to get into the, the hot version for Julio. Jerry, I think one of the things that I've learned over the course of the years and in talking to you and, and certainly all the time you give us on this show every week is you can't general manage like a fan. You can't manage like a fan. You can't make moves emotionally like a fan and just look at one game or one week and just make moves irrationally through that emotion. Yet the trade deadline does come in four or five days or so. What next Tuesday, six days. Uh, what kind of role do these next three games and the first game of the Boston series play in some of the decision-making that does have to come? Uh, they'll play some and they always do but your team's performance should define what you do. And, you know, part of it is what happens. We typically focus on ourselves and, and we try to maintain that throughout. But you get into this time of the year, especially around the deadline, and a lot of it does matter, you know, where you stand among other teams in the league and what the likelihood is of, of being able to, to jump that, that train, so to speak. I've said this before, our pitching is good enough that if we can get on the dance floor for the postseason, we can do some damage. And and we're aware of that. We we want to put ourselves in a position to to do that over the course of the season's final two months. Now, that said, we're always focused on how do we do – how do we do the responsible thing in making sure we're constantly building our core? And, you know, if we have a chance to do that through the course of these next six days, We'll do it if we have a chance to, to make ourselves meaningfully better uh, without putting ourselves in a precarious position moving forward. We'll do it. We'll try to be responsible in, in how we address our roster's needs with what's available on the market. So what are your conversations with other teams like right now? Back and forth. You know, I mean, we've we've not gotten to the to the stage in the exercise where it's gotten uh, where I would call it in the red zone on any deals. We've expressed interest in players we think fit for us and do make us better. In 23 or moving forward, uh, we have received incoming calls about players on our roster, and and I would say it's been pretty broad this year. It's there are there are not a large number of defined sellers in this market. There are a lot of teams that are trying to thread a needle or flat out buying, and there are very few teams that are selling or that are populating the market with the types of players that that contending teams look for at this time of year. So how do you define, I mean, one thing we talk about a little bit of these, the idea of a rental, how do you define a rental? Uh, rental, it's, I actually hate the term, but, you know, a rental is a player on a, on a pending free agent contract. So, 
this player is effectively unless you can work something out over the season's final two months, which is highly unlikely with a pending free agent. They are leaving you know, when, when free agency opens up in the offseason. So it's, it's a player who's going to be with your organization, barring you know, a magic extension two months from free agency. They're going to be with you for two months. And, and do you have interest in rentals or are you explicitly and only looking at... Can we come up with a new name? Okay. I know. I think that's part of the problem. Is it degrading? Is that the problem? Sort of degrading to the players like he's a house or something? <laughs> yeah, that's a, and, and this is, you know, it's a personal thing for me. I, I do think it's it's a, a pretty common reference. I don't want to get, you know, up in arms about it. But, you know, they're, they're pending free agents. They're short-term players. Right. They're here. They're, they're only here for a short period of time. And, and we're not opposed to bringing in, you know, a short-term roster fit. It depends on what you have to give up to get it. We're not willing to purge future Mariners teams, you know, and what that could be for our future unless we feel like that is a player who puts us over the top. And, and I think for it to be a player who puts you over the top, you have to be close to the top in order to make moves like that, if that makes any sense. It does. Jerry, how big of a deal is the collective market? Uh, my old, late, great real estate boss used to say to me, Brock, I understand the market is what the market's willing to pay. Well, we saw the first, I know you made a transaction yesterday on, on a reliever and, and an arm, but we saw the first kind of big move, right? The Angels go in, they make a trade with the White Sox for a starting pitcher and another, you know, relieving arm. Does that, does that move? And the value of that move, does that start to create a market? Or is it just, hey, singularly, it's team by team, and there really isn't a collective market? You know, I, first, I will say that the, your reference to your real estate boss was about as Jerry Maguire as it gets. That was awesome. Uh, but and as, it, as it relates to the, to the market, yeah, I mean, it, it, I guess there's a baseline. For, for what is now expected of, of the next player. And, you know, both players that, that went to the Angels in yesterday's trade, are they, they are pending free agents. So they embody what we just talked about. That I don't know uh, if many teams are really open to trading players beyond those that are short-term right now. We haven't really seen that move yet. But, you know, it, it does establish a baseline. There are other players of that quality that are going to get moved in the next week or so. And, you know, we are, at, at least presently, we have spent almost all of our time focusing on players that we feel make more sense for us moving forward. You know, and based on market prices, you know, that could change for us in the next six days or so, again, depending on what the, the return. Um, you know, we're not opposed to acquiring any type of player if they if they fit, provided it makes sense for the present and future of our organization. We did see that you made a move yesterday, uh, bring in a guy who I assume is kind of a spot starter who has options. So we kind of go up and down, but maybe more interestingly is the corresponding move with Marco Gonzalez going to the 60. Does that mean he's done for the year or is it just more of the retroactive situation for the roster spot? It's the latter. You know, actually in doing the simple math today is Marco's 60th day out. So he's already uh, achieved 60 day IL status. So he could in theory be activated tomorrow. So it's, it's nothing more than, than a, a simple admin move. He's already been out for 60 days. So, you know, that's a, that was a simple roster adjustment that we could make to add a pitcher with pretty good stuff. Who's had a fair bit of major league experience and give us depth, you know, headed into the final two months where we've talked about, 
you know, young pitchers. We have taken on a couple of dings and we've, you know, we have run a lot of guys out there with, with very limited major league experience. And, and Trent Thornton is not long in the tooth. He's 29 with a couple of three years of major league service, but having guys that are experienced as we get into the season's final two months is important. You know, Jerry, we talked to you uh, after last season in, as you headed into the winter meetings and, and where free agency went and, and how quiet the trade market was. You, you talked about right now it is these impending free agents that tend to be the, the conversations and not a lot of the others quite yet. And I'm just wondering, this third wild card, it's awesome. Right, these wild cards, it's opened it up. It's more competitive. 21 of 30 teams in the league as we sit here today are within six and a half games of the wild card. But I wonder the impact that wild card has on this trade deadline, on that acquisition phase of the trading game, and can it still be as active as it once was? Oh, I think it's going to be incredibly active, and and usually it is active in the final seventy-two hours. And it's, uh, I, I would say that it's it's not too dissimilar from what we see in the first seventy-two hours of free agency. You know, roughly the the public clamor is why is it so quiet? Why aren't they doing anything? And then here comes the fire hose, and then there's an update on you know MLB Network or ESPN every six minutes, but. This is, it's going to be active. I, I think it's going to, it won't be defined until, you know, Sunday or Monday for so many teams because of what you said. That third wild card keeps so many teams engaged. And, and we're one of them, frankly. It's, you know, it, it gives you something to shoot at. And, you know, there are absolute buyers. And then there are teams that are, as I used the phrase before, trying to thread a needle. You're trying to find a way, you know, to, to situate yourself to best contend in 2023 while not robbing from future years, because you understand the odds are a little bit long. And you know, that captures about, you know, 20 teams in our league. And, and, you know, and then there's going to be another couple on the fringes, or, you know, rebuilding teams that are primarily young. And uh, that, that leaves very few teams that have the types of, of players available in the, in the market to really make a dent. But you know, somehow multiple of those teams that are on the fringes will decide to go the other way by Sunday or Monday, and, and it'll get active. It, it's got to be, I don't know whether frustrating is the right word or what, but but trying to make a decision which you know – in your head shouldn't be made based on two, three, four games of baseball, but in some ways will almost have to be because that's what the situation and the, and the record and the standings will end up dictating. Yeah. And, and I, I'll go back to, to trying to do the responsible thing. You know, if left to our own devices, it, we're all competitors, you know, whether, <laughs> whether it's, in the front office, it's on the field, you see opportunity, you know, every one of the players in our clubhouse, we want them to get excited by what happens at the deadline and, and feel motivated. And sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't, but you know, you've got to do the smart thing. And, you know, virtually there's 30 teams and I would say most of them are going to make some type of transactions that are going to affect their major league club in in the next six days. And, and that's kind of a, an exhilarating time. You can do things to, to make impact from a, from an organizational standpoint, but you can't do stupid things if if you intend to sustain. And, And that's what we've really built this on is the desire to sustain. And we're going to try to avoid stupid things. Okay. So you mentioned Jerry Maguire. So then I'll just follow up. I'm just kind of curious. Do you have to have irresponsible guy or gal in the building? 
is there just that irresponsible voice that bounces into your guys' offices and into the media rooms and, and just starts to spew totally, as you just said, stupid, irresponsible stuff just to put it out there on the table? Oh yeah. And and you want that. You want, you know, you, you want a variety of opinions. What's possible? What could we do? And you're going to have the, the, the risk averse. You're going to have the risk takers. You're going to, it's, and, and some people are going to toggle back and forth based on the, the type of player that you're, that you're looking to acquire. But you know, this is, this is an interesting time because it's, it's when you find out it, my face, and I would say this of Justin, you know, there's our faces don't necessarily look like Scott's in the dugout, but we're trying to remain, you know, we're trying to remain balanced in the way we're making our decisions and, and do the right thing more broadly for the club. What did our texter say about Scott's face? That's funny. That got he called it up. resting pissed face. I don't, I don't know whether that's fair or not, but he said, if you just always look mad, then, you know, when you are mad, no one will know the difference. Yeah, it's a, there's, I will say, you know, on occasion, I have been in a situation in my lifetime where Scott's come out to the mound to visit me. And, I, and my first reaction is, why are you mad at me? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm trying, but uh, it's, he, is, he, he is balanced and we're trying to do that same type thing with our, our trade deadline. And uh, we, we have needs we would like to address for 23. You know, we are equally as focused on putting players in place who we feel like help answer questions for us moving forward. And it's a, our, our, our general plan has never changed. And the the thing that changes day to day is how much clearer it becomes on who's available. Do they fit us? Are they actually acquirable based on what we have? And I think those are, that's what makes it fun. And that's why it changes day to day because there might be three more teams that enter the fray on either side of the, the ledger tomorrow or later today. Yeah, I would think it must be an interesting spot. You're almost a time like you want your team to show you one way or another, you know, win four straight, lose four straight, do something to make this just not that you want them to lose four straight, but make this decision a little bit more obvious. And I would think there are teams around the league you're watching saying, man, I really hope the whomever loses four straight so that so and so becomes available and they just, you know, make him available because they can't they can't realistically compete anymore. Oh, I believe me when I tell you I would love that if we could <laughs> if we could will teams to lose four in a row. The, the I also would say that we have an uncanny knack as an organization for picking up the phone and, and and expressing interest in player X, whether that is a prospect, young major leaguer, or you know the pending free agent, and that player is almost destined to go on a seventy-two hour heater where the the, the the, either the availability becomes questionable or the price just went through the roof. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, it's, it, we're good at it. We've been doing it for years. We actually, you know, for, for a few years, we, we referenced ourselves as the hall of fame makers. Like we make a call. This guy's definitely going to go on a hot streak. Hey, last thing for me here, Jerry, how are your young arms doing? I, I think back last year to, to George and, and I think it was about August. It was maybe the only little stub of the toe and then kind of found himself into September and just kind of curious in the calendar year and for the woos and the millers as we're pushing in here and how into the games in the hundreds, um, you know, how are their arms holding up from maybe the way you all look at it that is at times different from us? I think remarkably well, you know, we're, we're still conscious of having to manage the innings. We plan on doing that. You know, I, I do think there's going to be, you know, a time for us and it might be mid August where we make whatever adjustments we're going to make. We do feel like we have, you know, 
in-house solutions to make that happen. Whereas if we may go to a six-man rotation, we may try, you know, a, a traditional long reliever to piggyback with a young starter. But the but at the end of the day, you know, I think Wu his last start against Toronto was fabulous. You know, it was an unfortunate four-pitch walk to Whit Merrifield uh, that cost him you know, it, later on in the inning. But I thought the start itself was fabulous yesterday and what I would consider, you know, more of a Coors Field type environment in Minnesota with a hundred degrees and a jumpy ball uh, because when it's, when it's hot and humid like that, the ball jumps. And I thought Bryce Miller was awesome. Filled it up, gave us every chance, took us deep into a game. And it was the, the best, you know, the best he's held his velocity through a game in quite some time. You know, he looked very comfortable and, and that's all we're looking for is, is how, how much stress do they show as they're working through these innings? And, and right now, they don't really appear to be showing us that stretch and, or stress. So we'll continue to manage it by, by using our eyes. You didn't go to Taylor Swift this week, did you? I did not, but I was fascinated with the, the, the pour out and the number of people who flew into Seattle to see it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've gotten some feedback from the Swifties at the office who are – you know, they were pretty excited about, about being at the show. Okay. And I've gotten some lowdown on what life as a Swifty is like. Yeah. And, and that was uh, it was interesting. Anybody make you a beaded yeah. bracelet or anything like that? Nobody did. But, I, you know, I, I actually heard, and this is good, you know, it's going to date me. And, you know, and, and I guess in some way reference my stodginess. But you know, one of my coworkers said, ah, it's the greatest night of entertainment I've ever seen. I, and and I, I said, yeah. 1985, it was August at the Meadowlands, Bruce Springsteen playing in Jersey and six hour show laying on the stage, telling us stories. That's, I get it, but man, that that was, I don't know if it could get any better than that. <laughs> well, you have to reference Bruce Springsteen if you're going to work in baseball. I think that's like a, it's an actual requirement for the job that you have. That and being able to pull all-nighters here over the course of the next few days leading into what should be a fascinating trade deadline. Jerry, Brock said that he doesn't know how you and Justin don't uh, drink earlier at the end of every night. We're just waiting to see what you end up coming up with. So uh, thanks for doing it. And when we talk to you next week, the trade deadline will be in the rearview mirror. All right, guys.